Welcome back to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for discussing, promoting, and showcasing teaching and learning across the university. We're a website, blog, podcast, and most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations surrounding teaching and learning. This episode is the second of a two-part conversation with Dr. Emily O'Reilly and alumnus Andrew Strankman from the School of Biomedical Sciences. These episodes find them reflecting on their research into the role of podcasting in education, which culminated in a project funded by the Principal's Teaching Award Scheme. In this second part of their conversation, facilitated by Teaching Matters alumnus Eric Berger, Emily and Andrew go back to the basics. How do you record a podcast? What does a good podcast sound like? And most importantly, how can we match the right kind of podcasting to our teaching goals? Unpacking the ins and outs of podcasts, our speakers discuss the importance of hitting the record button when it comes to expanding the scope of our classrooms. So, without further ado, here's another podcast on podcasts with Emily, Andrew, and Eric. Hi, this is Eric Berger from Teaching Matters. I'm here with Dr. Emily O'Reilly and Andrew Strankman to discuss podcasting in education. So guys, I thought that a great place for us to start would be just to ask, how can podcasts be used in education? Podcasts can be used in so many ways in education. It's a really exciting area to get involved with and start experimenting with. I think one of the best ways to to start to describe the types of educational um, podcast is to consider a continuum along which podcasts can lie. It was described by Magar in 2009. One end of this sort of continuum, you have podcasts that are complete recordings or lectures, for example, the student is a passive listener of the content and going through the different types of podcasts, you have supplementary podcasts, primer podcasts, things like that, which I can detail further in a second. But at the very other end of this continuum, you have podcasts in which students take a more active role, they're active participants in the podcasts. And that could be that they make their own podcast, they're using the assessment, they students are part of the, a roundtable discussion that's recorded and captured. There are lots of different types of ways podcasts can be used um, in an educational context. Uh, as Emily mentioned, there's lots of ways you can incorporate the podcast into your class. I think a big part of it is considering the course itself. So what is the, the pedagogy and the curriculum that you're trying to provide to your students? And so I'm sure Emily will have a lot more information on the different specific classifications of podcasts, but I think that's a good place to start. You know, is it a short snippet of information that you're trying to provide on a particular topic? Is it that you're trying to engage students in supplementary case studies or material that's relevant to the course? Or are you trying to replace in-person teaching with something like a flipped classroom? So I think the first place to start is not trying to dive into the deep end because it can be a bit overwhelming looking at all the different types of podcasts, but first to try to analyze what it is that your objectives are with providing the podcast to your students. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you touched on there, Andrew, about are you replacing the lecture with a podcast? And certainly you can have a lecture podcast and it is quite simply a recording of the lecture that is then podcasted to the student one of the things you have to be 
cautious of, of course, is that you're not referring to slides in the, you know, in the recording, because that's obviously not going to be particularly helpful for the students if they're just listening to that. And there is also the risk of interference as well. If you're recording in a, in a formal lecture setting, you're going to have sort of background noise that can be, you know, that can be quite disruptive if you're trying to listen to that, especially if it's quite lengthy as well. It could be an hour. You might want to consider other types of podcasts, especially if you're getting started. Things like a supplementary podcast, the way in which we've used podcasts in our course. We've not tried to capture whole lectures. And what we've done instead is added further information, um, supplementary information. And that can be in the form of case studies. You might be focused on a particular infectious disease, for example. And you can capture that quite nicely in a, in a podcast that's of a, of a good ideal length, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. You can really capture that quite nicely in a supplementary podcast. The other thing to note as well, there is kind of overlap with these as well. They're not, you know, isolated types. For example, you can have a, what's also been described in the literature as an integrated podcast. So this is a podcast in which you have two people talking, so a guest podcast or a roundtable discussion. If you've got a number of participants, um, you could be interviewing people and you can kind of capture that in a in a way that is sort of conducive to learning. So you can, and again, and that's something that we've found to be especially useful because you're getting that expert opinion as well. Similarly, you can have what's been described as primer podcasts. So you're kind of priming the student for something that's going to be forthcoming, perhaps an in-person lecture. So that might be something that'd be worth considering in a hybrid setting, or it can be a summary podcast. So you're summarizing a lecture or an area or some weekly content. Um, and I think the final area, which I haven't explored yet, which but I think will be really exciting to explore, and that's a student podcast. So students create their own podcast. And I think it would be an excellent way of enabling group work Group work is very difficult to incorporate into an online learning environment, trying to get students across different time zones, different interests, possibly um, to come together and do group work is very challenging. And one of the things that I would love to explore in the future is actually getting students to produce their own podcast. Um, I think it'd be a really interesting. I think the students would find it really fun. and I think they'd learn a huge amount. Um, and so. In short, student podcasts would be a great area to explore, both in an online and in-person environment as well. I think the students would really enjoy that. It's just another thing, another way to assess students and to, to do so in a, in a way that they might um, learn a little bit more about the subject area, also about podcasts more generally as well. You know, Emily, I really like that you mentioned some of the things like um, group work and, and hybrid instruction. I think that's an important note for discussing what made you choose the supplementary podcast for uh, this particular project. So thinking about the idea of online learner cohorts, giving them supplementary information is an important tool in getting them to engage in the course material. And then when you talk about things like a hybrid class, when you have that opportunity to interact with the students face-to-face -face, at least some point, that leaves you a little bit more room or flexibility in terms of maybe how you interpret what your podcast role is fulfilling. Because if you know you have that engagement, at least on some level, then that can be somewhat of a crutch to allow you to explore other avenues of uh, types of podcasts, so informational or even group podcasts. So I guess it's just like, like I mentioned earlier, just getting that information to fit in the confines of, of what your objectives are. And like you mentioned, you don't have to feel like it's a box. You don't have to be stuck into one type of podcast. You can think of it kind of like cooking. You can 
season it however you want. You can change it up a little bit to get into whatever area you want it to be. But starting by looking at the parameters of what makes the different classifications unique is kind of a good way to feel out your own particular needs. That provides a really interesting segue because one thing that we discussed wanting to discuss in this podcast is how you actually do it. A good way for me to start was to create some short primers. So some short primer videos on to show them uh, some avenues of, of what my expectations were. And I think that's an important thing for all assessment, right? You provide a student with a rubric and a, a bit of material to help them to sort of feel out what it is that, that they need to, to do. Um, but as far as experimental design and design of podcasts, Emily's the master. I'm absolutely not. It's been trial and error over the years. And one of the things I started with, however, was just Audacity. And it's a free online resource. I think that's what you're using, Eric, I believe. That's what you're going to be. Absolutely it is. Yeah, it's going to be like the go-to um, sort of platform for recording and I suppose importantly editing um, your podcast. So I would say download that. Now I've got a very basic understanding of Audacity and I'm sure there's some levels of functionality that even I'm not aware of with, with, with the program, um, but it's a great way to start and you can start editing and it does become what I would call rather addictive in terms of making it, um, you know, just make refining it um zooming into certain areas and certain peaks and taking out all your ums i have a a terrible habit of going um and i don't even didn't even notice it until i heard myself back and i can take all these ums out and i can edit it so it sounds like i'm talking very fluid even though i'm possibly not (laughs) so um so audacity is the way to start really i would i would say you record it in Audacity, you edit it in Audacity. One of the things I've done is I've gone online, you can go and get music and introductions that are free to use. So there's no copyright and you can use those in your podcast. And they're quite a good way to introduce and to finish your podcast. You can sort of fade in and fade out. And I have kind of a signature, so to speak, intro, which the students kind of familiar with now. So they know what's coming. And again, you can edit all that together and paste it in. Um, You can copy segments. It's, it's, It's quite straightforward once you get into it and then you really just download the whole thing as an mp3 and once it's an mp3 you can upload that straight into learn as an mp3 file or instead of or as well as in my case what I've done is to then pop it into media hopper do the captions and then you just upload the media hopper file like you would a lecture into your course area and and that's what I've done and I'm just trying to think what else that's that's basically it and I know I think there are some audacity courses that you might be able to do with the university so that would probably be a good place to start but I think like a lot of things it's good to just have a go at it and and experiment I now have recorded with my laptop alone though I have had microphones and things like that which can be quite useful as well for improving the audio it's just starting off in terms of guest lectures now most of my guest lectures started off as an in-person chat, sit down, coffee, microphone, record it, edit it. And sometimes those ones, especially when you start talking, they can take ages to edit. You can't underestimate how long it can take to edit a podcast, as Eric will probably be able to confirm. But the other thing that I've started to do now, and, and certainly have had some advice from Eric, is to record things on Zoom. So you're going to make me, you know, most of the people who visit you visit your your department or maybe do a talk they tend to be um, guests who maybe come on online and do a talk and so we're capturing that online with zoom and then downloading that and converting it to an mp3 
uh, and go through the same process and upload it into Audacity. Um, but you're probably more expert on that, Eric. I don't know why I'm talking about Zoom to, to podcasts. I think that's your area, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And peeling behind the curtain. I mean, that's how we're recording this today, right? And, exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've had a lot of success in doing this with Zoom. And one of the small downsides is that when you do it on Zoom, if everyone's not recording with their own microphone, you're not going to have that maybe more professional quality of recording. But when it comes to educational purposes, it's more than listenable. It's really crystal clear. And I found actually on the editing side in Zoom, I think, and I need to look into this more, but I think that they do something to normalize the volume levels, which takes a bit of editing work off because in some of the episodes that I've recorded in person, we've had these like massive stretches where the volume decreases or increases and it's added hours onto my editing time. But I found that the podcasts that are typically easiest to edit are actually the ones that I record over Zoom or Teams. So it's been a really, really helpful tool in that way. And yeah, like you said, Emily, all you've got to do is record the podcast as we're doing today. And then you download the recording using the cloud. And then you put that right in Audacity and do the rough edits. And also, I can totally relate to what you said earlier about the addictive nature of refining your podcast. That was something that was a big learning hurdle for me when I started because I was initially spending so much time editing each episode. And then I realized that refining each like individual 10 second stretch of a conversation to make sure it like hit the perfect audio quality and that there were the perfect gaps in between each word. I was like, when you listen over this, it doesn't actually matter as much. Like from a macro standpoint, when someone's listening to it, it's very small differences. So that's maybe something I would warn people who are getting into podcasting and education about is that trust your ears more than your eyes, maybe when you're editing on Audacity. Certainly been a challenge, I think, for, for me. There have been some guest lectures where the, the person has gone away and then listened to it and said, actually, I said the wrong year then. And so then all the all the wrong months. And then I've had to go through the whole po podcast and find where they've said the correct year in a completely different context, cut it or a different podcast that they've done for me and then cut it and paste it into the area. And sometimes it just doesn't sound right. But I think sometimes you need I think accuracy over production quality is more important in those ways. But that actually brings me on to something that I, I wanted to highlight. And that's one of the things that the podcasts that have been the most popular for the students, the ones that have really enjoyed and have really got a lot out of are the guest podcasts um, and they're the areas where you know the students get to hear me talking to someone else they get to have an expert opinion and we sort of discussed that in the previous podcast and one of the things one of my recommendations uh, for for educators who are guess up getting into this as well as tapping all your friends and people might owe you a favor and just saying will you sit down and talk about your your research area will you talk to me about this and let me record it because it'll make a wonderful podcast and a lot of people are really into that really a lot of people like the idea of that, it's something that's new, something we haven't thought about before. But the other thing to do is that you have all these guests that might, and visitors that might come to your institution, into your department and give a talk to students or your uh, colleagues or postdocs, et cetera. You know, just, just say to them, well, you know, you're giving a lecture, you're coming in, you know, maybe from an outside um, university to give this talk. Do you mind just, you know, having half an hour, 40 minutes afterwards just to um just to, to record you for our podcast and that can be a great way most people are very willing they're there to do a lecture I'm sure they won't mind chatting to you afterwards for 30 minutes about the same thing that they've just given the lecture on so you might be very 
well primed with some questions that you might want to ask them. And that can be, again, a great way of capturing that for um, for your student audience, as well as your sort of postgraduate audience or your postdocs and professors who might be listening to the to the to the presentation live or online. Again, just ask them just to sit down, have a have a coffee or just carry on and stay on onto a Zoom call after you give them the presentation. Let's capture this. And again, you know, all of a sudden you're building up a a library of podcasts that you can then insert into various lectures or various weeks, various themes, various courses that you're running across your programs. I think that's a good comment. I think that leads me to something we talked about a long time ago, Emily, where you told me that at the very beginning, not to get overwhelmed and that it takes time to build up a repository of information. I think, I think for me, stepping into the project, when you had already come into a lot of um, recording and you had all these curated podcasts, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm jumping into the deep end of the pool. There's, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that that fear of, of, or a barrier of entry, I, I don't think it should be as real as maybe it feels to people when they hear, put a podcast in your class. And I think that's been the theme of us talking over maybe the last 10, 15 minutes is just, you know, you don't need a lot of technical materials. There's a lot of free software. There's a lot of free stuff out there. You don't have to go crazy editing. You don't have to, and Eric made that very, very clear. Because it's very easy for, for anyone. You want to put out the best quality material possible. And you can obsess and you can be up at 3 a.m. staring at the screen, looking at audio levels. But that, that doesn't necessarily make your podcast good. You need to just trust in your instincts and know that over time you'll, you'll refine your craft and you'll build up a repository. And, you know, just, I don't know, I guess I wanted to just say that again, just to make sure that anyone that's listening knows, hey, it's, it's easier than it sounds. We say all these terms, all these definitions. Just jump in and record. Ask somebody. The worst thing they can tell you is no, right? That's that's literally the worst thing. Yeah, and I would also add to that in terms of, you know, if you can, you know, everyone did this during the sort of the pandemic and the lockdowns is that everyone had to go online and all of a sudden people are recording lectures on PowerPoint or whatever and uploading them. And if you can record a PowerPoint and upload it into Media Hopper, you can do a podcast. And, and the other point I'd like to make is that you will be very surprised at how professional it can sound um you know you just feel like you're like rattling on chatting about something that you know that you know just, I don't know it just if you actually capture that and record it and play it back and especially if you put a theme I suppose a theme tuner for want of a better word before and after it go online go and get some free um music and just put it at the front and put it in it at the end fade it in and out you know, it, it sounds really professional. It sounds quite good. And, um, and as we've demonstrated um, ourselves with our project that we discussed in part one and as evidenced across all the literature as well, students really enjoy it. They enjoy listening to it. They like to hear their, their, their lecturers and possibly, the, you know, their, their fellow students at some point talking about um, these various things that, you know, are, are of interest and develop their, their, their interest in particular areas that they've already been learning about in terms of supplementary podcasts or uh, maybe we'll summarize or prime them for something that will be forthcoming. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an educator thing though, right? To overdo it, to try to want to make everything perfect. You know, I'm going to scrap this course and I'm going to start over from the beginning. Everything's going to be beautiful this semester. And then you realize right before the semester starts, oh no, that the train is coming. <laughs> so having having that ability to to kind of gradually implement some of those things, gradually build up a library. That's an important part to uh, to building a, a quality repository of podcasts. As you say, Andrew, you're supposed to, or you feel like you want to update things really regularly, but 
you know, you just run out of time in the end. You've got all these other things that you need to be doing. Um, so trying to future proof things as much as possible, even for a couple of years, is also, a, you know, a good way to use supplementary podcasts as well. Having core notes, core lecture and supplementary podcasts that you can then maybe update every couple of years or you can use and sort of bounce between courses, etc. You know, if, you, if I'm doing a course on you know, various different things, vaccinology, diagnostics, immunology. If I could have a, if I have a supplementary podcast on one particular disease in which I cover all those different aspects, then that can be used across a number of different courses. Yes, some students might listen to the podcast again, but, you know, it also means that you're producing an educational tool yourself that you can use repeatedly across different courses, which I think is very useful as well um, when, you know, in the uh, you know, in the when you've got so much to do, and I don't want, might not want to put that into the, to the thing where you're like overworked and um, overwhelmed with marketing. Um, you know, you can just um, yeah, you can just make it sound look as if you're producing all these other things, and you're probably not. So that's a really good point, though, because you have this idea of you take something that's a core concept in a class. And core concepts, I mean, everything changes, especially we know in sciences and things can change rapidly. But if you can take and make a podcast out of a core element that includes maybe a classical model or includes a, ca a classical case study or example. So as Emily mentioned, case of disease, there are some that are going to be more time standing than others. You know, of course, right now, if we were to make a podcast on COVID-19, I bet you in uh, in three years, that is going to look silly because there's so much stuff that's continuing to go on with it. But when you pick something that's a little bit more classical, and, and again, I'm using science as an example because, well, that's that's our wheelhouse, right, is sciences, it can, it can really stand the test of time. You know, you pick something like tuberculosis or you pick something like influenza, right? You can, you can have cores that you can build around and you can reuse that over time. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel every single term. I think that's that's a scary thing. When you record something, you're like, oh my gosh, that's dated now. I know um, you mentioned pandemic shifts. I was listening to some lectures that I have in some of my courses now. And in one of them, you can hear my my daughter when she was an infant, you can hear her cooing in the background. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's she's almost three years old now. That's that that video's old. I need to get rid of it. But you know, you you realize the content, if it's good and it's still applicable, you can you can reuse it until it, it until it is dated. Absolutely. And as you said, with COVID, it's like, how do we keep on top of that? It's just, I think, even on a more of a weekly basis. I mean, every year, there's certain elements that I'm having to update significantly. Um, you know, even 2020 papers are sort of outdated in some areas of COVID research now. You just, it, it, it's ongoing. And one of the areas as well, like that, and I really feel like even despite the sort of podcasting work that we've done in our program team, I still think there are areas that, and things that we could do that wouldn't be too sort of exhausting in terms of our time and effort but would actually be you know you would actually produce some really great resources and that's like the roundtable discussions I'd love to just sit down with my colleagues and we have discussed doing it but we just haven't had a chance to do it yet and that's like well I've got one colleague who's an expert on this and that's her course and I'm going to ask her questions and then she can share that and record it and put it on her course and vice versa and we've always planned to do it, but we just haven't really got around to it. But we could spend like half a day of recording things. Yes, prepare, but then we could capture that and then you go away and do the editing and we could actually have some really good resources. And I think the students would actually really enjoy listening to us talking with each other as well, because they might listen to us 
individually when they do my course or they might go on to my colleagues course and they're on you know so on and so forth but actually see us listen to us all around the table together having a coffee really casual talking about various things having you know like you know we have our weekly team meetings and we talk about various things uh personal things you know what we're going on with our with our lives but also we talk about oh did you see this outbreak did you see that outbreak um and we just have a little chit chat about it but let's let's make it a little bit more formal and capture it and record it and i think students would really enjoy that i think Kind of what we talked about last week, right? You were talking about how that has the ability to humanize professors, to make work more accessible. And also, I, I believe, Emily, you mentioned that students after listening to the podcast would often come and say, where can I learn more about this? What are some more podcasts I can listen to? Was that the case? Absolutely. Yeah, no, quite often they're, you know, every... I quite often unsolicited feedback even before the project started with Andrew I would get emails and say oh I really enjoyed the podcast they made a real big difference to me um, and obviously that was what stimulated the research uh, that Andrew undertook but yeah you know, students are coming back again and again asking for more um, which is great feedback and I'm glad they enjoyed it but I certainly think there is that sort of that humanizing part of listening to a podcast listening to your to your to your, your educator to your course organizer talking about things um you know one of the things that I might do next year I have a very big course that I run it's just finished um, but what I might do is actually make a podcast recording on a weekly basis and see how that goes usually I have a, a big welcome part welcome to week one this is what we're doing hope you're all well etc you know you just kind of run through the usual formalities of what's in store for that week what they should be doing by the way catch up on this and what I might actually do is just add that as a podcast have it there of course written but also just so they can hear me and just say uh, as if they would as if they were there in the classroom coming in on a Monday morning um, and then you can just say all those things that they need to know that this is the things that you need to be considering please go onto the discussion board and say hi look at this look at that you know go through everything but if they they have that kind of Monday morning welcome to the week recording as a podcast, and then they could possibly listen to that at any time throughout the week. Um, and then I could obviously have them there in a course area and it's like week one, week two, week three. I've got a student coming in at week three. They've had a very busy fortnight. They've been very engaged with work or caring responsibilities. They can then listen to that, um, take a break from the reading that they might have to do and actually listen to me describe what's in store for that week. And then they can do things. So, so that might be something that I might consider doing as well. Um, there are lots of ways that you can um, adopt this technology and this idea to, to your learning into your courses. I was at one point a student with a caring responsibility and I was constantly falling behind in my courses and I can imagine a resource like that where I could kind of go back and be in week three again even if I couldn't get to the material until it was week four or five. It might have helped with the overwhelm that I felt at the time with the mountain of material and saying I, I don't necessarily understand the complete context of this lecture or of this video being posted here. So I really like love that as a way to kind of facilitate learners who might be in less typical environments or be dealing with additional stressors, because especially if the last few years have taught us anything, expect the unexpected, right? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, have, I tend to have that on week two. Like if you're late joining us, don't worry, watch the welcome video, do this, do that. Um, and then what I tend to do is archive the, the weekly messages in a discussion board thread so they can just go through week one, week two. And obviously that goes all the way through to week 10. Um, I hope they won't be that late in joining us, but the, the information is there so they can go back and catch up. And I think that's quite an important thing to do because you have to be, you know, aware that 
students have challenges, especially our cohorts at postgraduate level who are learning part time. They're going to have families. They're going to have full time jobs. And in particular, with our cohort on global health and infectious disease, they're going to be doctors. They're going to be nurses. They're going to be working in A&E. They're going to be working in ICUs. They're going to be dealing. They were literally dealing with a pandemic as it unfolded. So we have to be sympathetic to all those reasons as to why students can be a little bit behind. And certainly you're tired. You've come in from a long shift. You've got children to deal with. To sit down and just maybe listen to what you need to do might be a little bit easier than reading a whole page of what you need to do. So, yeah, no, there's a great way of bringing them into your teaching and even talking about that right now. I'm, just, I'm so doing that next year. I'm so having that on my on my two courses that I run from January. Then I'm going to do that the introductory podcast. Hello and welcome to the week. I think it would be a great way for students to, to again, increase engagement and, you know, it, you know, make the students feel involved. It's a first year course. It's the second course that they come into on our programme. And, you know, it's a lot of immunology. And I think it'd be a great way to, you know, reduce attrition rates, keep them on the course, let them feel engaged. It's a busy period. You know, they're kind of upping things a little bit, a lot of assessments to have to think about. And yeah, I'm absolutely doing that next year because I don't think it will actually be that much effort. I could probably do it in one take, not very much editing and yet yeah, upload it. There we go. I think students would really enjoy that. Yeah, Eric and Emily both, you, you touched on some really important points and it's two sides to the same coin. So Eric, I don't, I don't know how much students realize this, but instructors worry constantly about retention of students. And, you know, you see a student forget to submit something or you see no activity, you know, you see, oh, they didn't log in this week to the class online and you think, oh my gosh, uh, how are they feeling? Do they feel overwhelmed now? And then you have this fear of, oh my gosh, are they going to not continue the course? Are they going to drop out just because they feel like now they're behind a little bit and now it's an insurmountable mountain to go through? And so I think, I think you touched on that really well, this idea of, hey, provide these materials to your students so they can backtrack themselves, they can catch up to the material, they can feel like it's not some sort of obstacle. It's just that, okay, you know, maybe now there's a little bit more work, but there's a clear path to how to complete it and keep on track. So that, that extra mode of communication. Well said. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in to discuss the project and podcasting and education in general. I was wondering just if you had any final thoughts regarding you know, what you would say to institutions that are considering implementing podcasts and any final thoughts uh, on the project as well? Well, just to really summarise what we've said, both on this part, podcast and on part one, I think they're, they're, they're great for both educators and students alike. As educators, I think you need to harness the benefits of podcasting, look at where they can streamline your work, sort of consolidate things that you might otherwise take a little bit longer to do how you can offer supplementary information and details to students in a very time efficient manner. It's much easier to record something than it is to, to write it out and edit, edit it, I think. Um, one of the ways that you could obviously start, if you're a bit unsure about the technical aspects of it, um, then I would say maybe have a look at the Audacity courses that are available at the university here at Edinburgh. You can, sort of, I think there's an on-campus course and a and, uh, and an online course, maybe have a look at them. But of course, just download Audacity. It's free, download it, put it on your laptop and yeah, trial and error is sometimes the best way to learn. And you know, just record yourself having a natter and um, summarizing some information. If you're not sure, have a look at some of the larger lectures that you have that might be in written format or a lot of big set of written notes and maybe summarize it, maybe talk about it. If you say something wrong, just pause and just say, oh, I'm, I'm re-recording that. And then, you know, later on when you're 
editing it, you just can cut that bit out. Um, yeah, just have a go, have a go at it. Um, and for those people who have maybe a little bit more experience in podcasting, then maybe think about using them for assessment, particularly for your online courses for your online students could we use these for group work can we get students to start producing their own podcasts either individually maybe or as a group work assignment um, i think there's lots of potential i think that as the project has demonstrated the students really enjoy them you know they make a big impact in terms of student satisfaction on programs that we're involved in yeah i think as emily mentioned the most important thing is just start small you know, find that gap in your curriculum, find what it is that you're trying to improve upon your course and work on building from there. Trial and error is an excellent way to start. Making use of university resources like Audacity courses available through the university. And then if you feel like you need more technical skills, you can search out additional courses elsewhere. There are podcast courses that are available through different universities, through different platforms. And maybe it's not even just a university. Maybe it's just a traditional podcasting course and learning how to make uh, a traditional entertainment podcast. And maybe you can take elements of that and help you to improve your uh, podcasting in the educational setting. There's, there's no perfect recipe to it. It's sort of making your own flavor to make the podcast work for you and for your students. Well, amazing. Thank you both so much for doing this podcast. I'm excited to get it released. And all of the materials that we've discussed are going to be featured in the show notes and in the episode blog post. Thanks, Emily and Andrew. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric, so much. Thank you to our contributors. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Teaching Matters podcast. Teaching Matters is brought to you by the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. For more posts and conversations about teaching and learning, head to our blog. We'd be delighted for you to join these conversations. To do so, just email us at teachingmatters@ed.ac.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider following us on Spotify or subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review. Music for this episode was provided by Hook Sounds. In the meantime, stay curious.